one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, welcome to BT Sports Podcast, Life's a Pitch. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by David Walker of the Daily Mirror and Tom Hopkinson of The People. The Euros are a sticker book come to life. Cancel all appointments for the next month. England begin against Russia. Wayne Rooney's safe, but should he play? Who should play up front? What about Wales and Northern Ireland? Closer to home, is the Leicester fairy tale over? Are we about to be Zlatan'd? But first, some big decisions for Roy Hodgson. A bit late, David. Unless he's made them already, Mike. <laughs> Maybe in his own mind, Roy knows where he's heading with this. I've got to say, my biggest single worry is if he was fully fit, I would be pencilling Jack Wilshire into my starting 11 for England. I fear, well, it's a fact, Roy Hodgson has picked a squad and now has Wilshire on the brink of playing at these Euros, and it flies in the face of everything Roy said over the past season. Roy said... It won't be like the old previous tournaments with England. Everybody will be fit. Everybody I will know is ready to go and play in those games. How you can make that claim with Jack Wilshire when he's not started or completed 90 minutes for a long, long time, nowhere near it this season, it just seems to me that it, it flies in the face of everything Roy promised the nation. There's an element then... Tom of not learning old lessons. <laughs> yeah, how many times have we levelled that accusation at uh, England managers? You know, I, I, I think I don't think England are in too bad a position going into the Euros. I think expectation uh, was probably tempered a little bit by the friendly against Portugal. Uh, we saw how difficult it was to break the ten men down. We all know, you know, that we've been in and around the game long enough to to know that playing against 10 men who are going to defend is, is always more difficult than perhaps 11 men who are playing open, expansive football. I think the big question now is whether Roy goes for the diamond formation that, again, he played uh, in, in that game. Uh, and I expect him to do that. I actually hope he'll do that against uh, Russia because I'd, I'd really like to see him going for it from the off. I think if you lose that first game, if you, if you win it, it obviously gives you the momentum. But if you lose it, you've still got a couple of games to turn it around. And that's why I'd like to see him go in with Vardy and Kane up top, with maybe Deli Ali sitting in that number 10 at the tip Not of the Not Wayne Rooney, then. No, I'd, I'd have Rooney on, on possibly the left or the right with, with either Lalana, Wilshire or Milner. I think you can take your pick of those three. And I think, depending on the opponents, they'll all do you a very good job. But I just think Rooney, defensively, is probably a little bit stronger than Deli Ali. And I think that understanding that uh, Deli Ali has got with Harry Kane you know it's worked for Spurs superbly all season so why not against Russia uh, and Wales and Slovakia why not give it its chance to do the business there as well Roy has hung his hat on Wayne Rooney mm. do you think one he should have done because if you look at it 
I always think the tempo of the game always slows when, when Rooney gets on the ball. Mm, I, I think he should have done, yeah, and I can see why he's done it. Over the course of two years of qualification, Rooney has been outstanding for England. I was worried when Wayne Rooney got injured and had his spell out and you're thinking, how's he going to come back because we've seen it before and Alex Ferguson used to say he was slow in recovery, he needed matches. As it's turned out, at the end of the season, Wayne Rooney's played very well for Manchester United. So I think Rooney will be in the team. Yes, I'd have him in the team. I think he's your most genuine, reliable goal threat in that team. So I'll go with Rooney. Now, I don't think it's just as simple as where you're going to put him. It's that system you're going to use, how Rooney's going to be played, because there are two or three different roles he could play in. For me, I would go, I'd, I wouldn't go with a diamond, I'd go with a back four, two players in front of them because I think the back four can be fragile and then I'd be looking at So who three. are your shielding players then? Well, this is my point about Jack Wilshire. If he is fit, I would go with Dyron Wilshire in there. Mm. Ideally, that's what I'd want to do. And then ahead of them, I'd play three more offensive players with one up top. In that three... The central one would be Wayne Rooney, and I'd have two players who are capable of going wide from that three. Mm -hmm. So, Ali, you see, one of the things about Ali is almost a strength and weakness. He can play anywhere in that midfield, can't he? You've actually got to work out, here is someone that we almost build it around. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, for me, this tournament, again, you know, let's just throw the youngsters in. Let's give them experience. Let's let's blood them. I mean, Ali has probably been one of the best three or four players in the Premier League this season. I mean, he's been incredible every time I've watched him. You know, Rooney's been in and out of form. Yes, he, he finished quite well. Um, but I, I would rather see, as if we're going to go to a, a major tournament and not do so well, I'd at least like us to go there blood the youngsters and, and let them get that experience that when the next World Cup comes round they've probably got a little bit more to go with them. I, I actually agree with, with David when he talks about the 4-2-3-1 system as well. That would be, if things didn't work out with the diamond um, against Russia, then I would probably revert to that one. But I just think with the full-backs we've got as well, and again, this is where that whole spurs the, the five of them, mm. uh, having played so much football together, not just this season, but when they were youth football as well. You know, to have Danny Rose on the left and Kyle Walker on the right bombing on and getting those crosses in, I just think I think you could build that whole team around Spurs, and I think it'd be uh, to England's great value. Mm. That's, that's one of the great. Yes, I'm just going to say I, t I take exception to one thing in there, which is this: oh, let's throw the kids in and let's give them a chance. Let's go and win the tournament. Let's actually go and be aiming to be in the last. Do you four. think we're going to win the tournament though? If we even, no, no, even no, with no. our strongest side, do you think we'd win the tournament? Well, I think we do better with our strongest side having a go at it and with the mindset we're trying to win it. But I actually, think, but, yeah. I actually think the kids are our strongest side. That, that would, well, be, that, that yeah. would be my point. And I think mindset is a really good point to look at because you know, we're already getting the stories. You know, England have got this nine-foot wall, no-one looks in. Mm. And we've all been around England at tournaments and it doesn't take long for the paranoia to set in, does it? No. Is that a real fear? Absolutely. And, and you know, we've seen it, Mike, in previous tournaments, World Cups as well as Euros, people will say it's a dead spurious claim oh we've got a wonderful team spirit and you actually say well prove it then fellas instead of all this work we're all getting on and it's a happy camp sort of thing get out on that field be one down against a real top team in the world and fight back and win it 2-1 that's how you can show you've got real team spirit now funnily enough we've seen it down the years 
I remember being with Jack Charlton's Ireland team, 88-1990, that period of time where they would go out, opening game against England in Stuttgart, 88, and go and win it. 1990, New York against Italy, a really good Italian team. Guess what? They go and get the result again. That's what you need to see from teams to go to believe that it's going to change. Mm. Do, do England teams think they're a little bit too special? I don't think they do now, no. But, I mean, maybe England fans think they're a little bit too special, you know. But I'm looking at that. I'm looking at Russia, Wales and Slovakia. There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't go and win each of those three games. You know, we have got the talent. Uh, I mean, you look at Wales, I know we'll come on to them, but to lose 3-0 against Sweden mm. in, in the, look, it's the last warm-up match. But, you know, Sweden aren't exactly world-beaters, are they? A good international side, but not world-beaters. So there's absolutely no reason why England can't go there with their strongest 11, with their strongest 13, 14, 15 players and make it at least to the quarter-finals. Then, once you're in the quarter-finals, we all know it's a bit of a lottery, albeit uh, a lottery when mm. you're coming up against Germany, France, Spain, teams like that, it's going to be very difficult to get the draw right. What about the Russians, David? They will be big, tough, strong. The post-Capello effect from having Slutsky as a manager who's done two jobs he's, with his club job, he's going to win the Russian league. He went and won four games on the bounce to get them into a qualifying position. Everyone relieved to say goodbye Absolutely. to Fabio. Absolutely, yeah, he's there. That's familiar, isn't it? <laughs> Another payoff for Fabio as well. <laughs> I say, the richest coach in the world and he's even richer. But now, listen, the fact is, for many years you've seen Russian teams go into tournaments. They won't be the life and soul of any party going on there, but you know what you're going to get, and you know for England at the weekend, going into that and taking a win out of it is crucial. I would flag one thing up to you. In the 1988 finals, Russia's opening game was against Holland, and Russia beat Holland in the first game. What ended up as the last game of the tournament, Holland versus Russia, and Holland beat them to win the European Championship. Now, I'm not suggesting that would be repeated, but Holland showed they lost the first game and still went on and won the tournament. So things can turn around. I think, I think I'd love England to have a Van Basten, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, <laughs> word, wouldn't we? But I think you know there are a few injury concerns with uh, the Russian side as well, and their, their defensive midfield. They're, they're still waiting on the outcome of of their first choice, maybe two or three of them as well. Uh, mm. And so they might have to call somebody up who yeah. isn't who hasn't been selected and, already. And, so whether and, England can play on that with that diamond formation. And the funny thing is, Van Basten didn't start against Russia in the opening game, you know because he'd had injuries and they left him on the bench and yet by the end of it, mm. he's scoring hat-tricks. Hey, it's all set for stories then, isn't well, it? Well, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, it, is, it is there. There are direct parallels <laughs> to things that have happened in the past. Mm. And what about the stadium? You know, Stad Velodrome is one of my favourite stadiums. You know, there's that big sweeping bank and when you go out there, club matches especially, you've got the ultras around both goals. It's going to be quite a, an explosive atmosphere on Saturday night, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be an extraordinary atmosphere and, and, you know, I can only imagine around the whole city of Marseille, I mean, you know, there will be thousands of England fans travelling down there uh, just to be in the city, let alone to be in the stadium. So it will be it'll be an incredible night, incredible atmosphere and hopefully a great game. Of course, the big concern, uh, not just surrounding this game, surrounding the whole tournament is, uh, you know, the issues of terror threats and, and problems uh, therein. So, you know, we just have to hope and, and pray that nothing, uh, nothing serious happens. Mm. The, the, the tournament has the potential to do like the World Cup did, which is actually to bring the, the nation together, to be a unifying force. France start against Romania. How important for the tournament is it that it well, gets off to a flyer? I think the people of France, and I was speaking to a couple of journalist friends there last week, I think that the, the 
angst amongst them that, that you know the number of things that could go wrong from the obvious thing with the terror attack you know which has already happened around the Stade de France um, to the weather the fixation of that you think is a British fixation the floods in Paris to the racism accusations that have been uh, aimed at the coach mm. you know at uh, Didier Deschamps also backed up by Cantona, the threats that he's, Deschamps now going to sue people. There are so many distractions to what they're trying to do. I really think that they perceive it as a huge, huge challenge to pull all of those things together mm. and focus on a football tournament. It's not mm. like the French national team to implode either, is it? Mm. A major well, tournament. You know. <laughs> It'd be nice if they don't go on strike for change. <laughs> no, no. You've got some you know, potential pivotal personalities in that team. Yeah. You know, Paul Pogba, for instance, yeah. is one. A lot of talk about him eventually moving on. Do you see him ever coming back to Man United? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think I think uh, United would love to take him back. I think Mourinho is a, a massive admirer of him. Um, whether he would see going back to Manchester United as a better move than going to a Barcelona or a, a Real Madrid uh, remains to be seen. But I, I think the fact he knows Manchester, you know, he grew up uh, mm. in Manchester, you know, his, his formative years were there. I, I, I think he would be open to that move uh, were it to come round and um, I think for, for a lot of uh, British football fans watching Pogba at the Euros um, it'll be great to see him over a short period of time and really get a feel for just mm. how good a player he is because he's he's an absolute specimen of a, of, a, of a footballer, of a human being, you know, he can he can pretty much take this tournament by the claws, you know, by the throat, and and be the main man. I think if if things go his way, and that, that's why I still think with all the problems uh, that the, the French side seem to be uh, conjuring up between themselves, the spine that they've got in that team, you know, if if Varane plays, Lloris in goal, obviously as well, and then you think of of Griezmann up front. I still think if they can put all those issues to one side, that they can win the tournament, and and Pogba can play his way to a move back to Manchester United. Mm, one of the great things about modern tournaments is that you look for the big players to command the biggest occasions. Oh. Gareth Bale and Wales, is it unfair to actually characterise Wales as a one-man team? Yes and no, clearly. <laughs> He's not in all the positions and he needs ten teammates to get through the game, etc. If you say, has he got this impact value of being so much better and a player that every other opponent is going to fear, yes. Clearly he is one of the finest footballers, especially in an, in an attacking sense, you know, in, in the world at the moment. What struck me watching him in that uh, Champions League final, you're thinking these are the two best clubs in Europe and Atletico Madrid, let's be honest, are famed as being very cute at how they defend. You know, they've been very well schooled by their coach and are not uh, averse to stepping across people. You would see Gareth Bale in that and suddenly out of nowhere he would glide by two or three players and the game transformed. He would open up things. Now, if he can do that against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League final, Gareth Bale can bring that to any match that he's going to face, including playing England. That's, he is a serious match-winning threat to anybody, including England in that game. The, the problem the Welsh have, though, Gareth Bale isn't going to win five games single-handedly. He might win one game, um, two games maybe, but I actually think... I mean, you're absolutely right what you say about yes and no in being in being the talisman of that side. But I actually think um, Ramsey's form uh, in the tournament is is almost more important. He needs to step up. He, he does. Yeah. He's not had a great season, but but he also, if he plays, then they've got two uh, two great players in that side. Two players who can, when they're at their top of their game, but, but mix it with anyone. Tom, the ability 
to take two or three players out over 10 yards, you know, where they think they've got him tight and he just goes bang, 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 in between. It's like a little slalom and he's away yeah. and then the pace he's got. Yeah, I'm not suggesting he will finish that or round that move off every time. But that ability to carve out the opening is a really precious gift. And there are probably only, what, two or three others I can think of at the tournament who can emulate that sort of thing. What always strikes me about that group is how grounded they are as a, as a, as a bunch of individuals, yeah. really. How important is that? You know, we talked about England and, and you know, the whole paranoia that sometimes surrounds them. How important is character? both individual and collective. Okay, character's huge. Um, I don't necessarily think it's all encompassing though in, in, in tournament football. I mean, you look at uh, the likes of Ibrahimovic, you, you think of Ronaldo as well, and, and clearly they aren't grounded people, but they could still, you know, they're the people who will carry their nations, carry their teams on their shoulders uh, throughout the tournament. But in, in Wales, in respect of Wales, I mean, to hear Ashley Williams talk, I mean, he, he is a fantastic captain. And to hear him talk about out, uh, Gareth Bale still being part of the WhatsApp group with, you know, you're thinking of the other lads, the likes of Johnny Williams who are on loan, haven't necessarily made it at the top level, the Chris Gunters of this world, you know, lads, um, the, the lad at Wigan, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, you know, for, for, for them all to be feeling that they're, they're, you know, the same, there's no superstars, I think that's very important for them, but I, I don't think it makes as much difference as having six or seven world-class players. Mm. Mm. It's weird though, Mike, you know, that if you spoke, I remember doing a piece with Alan Ball, God bless his soul, but Alan Ball was going on about the 66 team and he said, everybody knows Bobby Charlton was England's greatest footballer at that era, of that era, and Bobby Moore was arguably the best defender in the world and all that. But he turned to and said, do you know what? What Nobby Styles did in that squad for all of us, and what the manager saw in him, and what the manager saw in Jack Charlton as bringing something. Now that's that sort of vision of. I think providing the respect three. works both ways. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, oh, yeah. And the they superstars were, and, and, they the, were, yeah. and, no, no. and the water carriers. They if were you great like. team players. All I'm saying is, you you need a manager who can see beyond. I've got these stars. Yeah. You need the manager who can say. I have a reason to put Nobby in with these stars because in his own mm. way he's priceless. Northern Ireland, rather much like Wales, got a great team spirit, great group, unbeaten in 12. They start against Poland, uh, whereas Wales start against Slovakia. Obviously Northern Ireland drew with Slovakia at the weekend. What about Wales? Do you think they're, they're good enough to beat Slovakia? And can we then go on to talk about Northern Ireland and their chances. Yeah, I think Wales are good enough to, to beat Slovakia. I mean, you only have to look at the FIFA rankings. I know we don't always put too much stall in them, but um, between uh, Russia, Wales and Slovakia, there are only five or six places. They're all in the 20s. So I think I think they're, they're much of a muchness. I mean, Wales are going to have to improve dramatically uh, on the game against Sweden. Yes, I know Gareth Bale didn't start, but, and you sort of hope, uh, looking at that result, that perhaps the Euros were in their minds and that they didn't want, you know, people were not quite going into challenges and were not you know wanting to be injured for uh, for next week so yeah, I think they can give Slovakia a very good game, but then Slovakia beat Germany, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago? So, mm. so that will be will be very tough. Um, I think for the Northern Irish, um, it'll be very interesting to see how everything that Michael O'Neill has done with them uh, in in the last uh, the last couple of years, how that translates into tournament football. I mean, he's he's clearly um, got a very very good feeling running throughout that squad. Mm. I spoke to Johnny Evans uh, a few weeks ago, um, and the first thing he was so quick to say, uh, you know, the character 
character that Michael O'Neill has instilled in them. And even Aaron Hughes, you know, when he says, you know, I sat down with the manager, I, I was done with it, I, I wanted to uh, know more, nothing more to do with your uh, with international football. O'Neill's talked him back round and he's brought that group together and I, I actually think even more so than Wales they need to rely on the team spirit that, that O'Neill has instilled in them. Mm, you, you look at that group, um, Carl Lafferty, now there's, there's someone, you know, Northern Ireland always produce unlikely heroes, mm. there's an unlikely hero for you Absolutely. isn't there? Absolutely and you know he's been achieving superhero status for Northern Ireland and still can't get a game at Norwich mm. and you think and you know Norwich are obviously always sliding towards relegation and got relegated and you're thinking for, for his international side his confidence has been so high and everybody's acknowledged the role he's had that and should we say his big personality because that's part of what you get with Carl Laverty some of it can get a bit over the top at times but he's a He's a larger-than-life sort of guy who will go out there and revel in, in the circumstances. But, Mike, you know, you and I remember the Billy Bingham teams and what mm. Northern Ireland can do. Jerry what, Armstrong and all that. Absolutely yeah. right. Now, yeah. I was just comparing earlier. They actually had a lot more established top-flight players there. And, you know, the people that are unsung here, it's a bit like Mal Donaghy's and the Nigel Worthington's, obviously Martin O'Neill was there. But their, their status was higher than what we've got now in this Northern Ireland thing. But when you say about a team spirit and an ethic and that sort of belief that we're really going to put up a fight for this, I think what Michael O'Neill's done is brilliant. I think that's the biggest achievement of any of our qualifiers. I would not be surprised if they really pitch in there and, and cause a surprise. Maybe only in one or two games, but I just think let loose. Those boys will not do the the history of Northern Ireland football any harm at all. I think what you'd like to see both from Northern Ireland and from the Republic is exactly the mentality that Roy Keane was talking about a couple of years ago when he you know, he went crazy, didn't he, about the fact that they weren't just there for a party and mm. they should mm. be... No uh, tourists. No, Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think it was just after the Holland defeat, quite a, a thumping mm. from Holland, wasn't it? And you do hope that, that both sides um, go over there and, and actually give the supporters something to sing about rather than just singing yeah. for the sake of... It's a of tough it. old group, though, isn't it, when you oh, think about it? Massively you know, tough. Germany, Germany playing... Ukraine on the same day on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, hugely tough. I mean, I, I watched the uh, the Germany-Hungary game at the weekend and, um, you know, you, you, the fact that Marco Royce, they've not taken a gamble on his fitness because he's been having a few injury problems, to leave him out of the squad just shows you the sort of attacking presence they think they have. I mean, mind you, if, if I was a manager and I'd only got Thomas Muller to choose from, I'd probably say, right, you come as my only striker and we'll, you, we'll, we'll, we'll pick a 10 midfielders so, and 10 defenders because I think he's that good. But They have taken Bastian Schweinsteiger with <laughs> Which you know True. defies all logic after True. what we've seen from him in the last year. He said he's fitter than he's ever been. Well, he's had a good rest, hasn't he? That's, yeah. That, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's probably why. But I mean, if you if you look at if you look at that that side, uh, I know Kadira. There was a, a bit of a. I think he was brought off as a, a precaution at uh, at half time. But you know, some of the talent that is, is still in that side is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, even you know, you're thinking of the likes of Sir and Gomez up front as well, and and Sane looks like a, an incredible prospect. So. It's, it's a massive ask for, for Northern Ireland to get out of that group because I think once the tournament kicks in, that tournament mentality and the experience that Germany, the world champions, don't forget, the experience they've got will will make it very difficult for everyone else in that group. OK, closer to home, you know, where are we? Just before 12 o'clock on Monday. News just coming through, Jamie Vardy, no decision on his potential move to Arsenal today. So that means, is that going to be a distraction in the build-up to the Euros? And let's look at this from an Arsenal perspective. This is a really significant move, it seems to me, because it signals a real change in strategy. 
Absolutely. Um, yes, it can be a distraction, Mike, and it's a distraction that Roy said, it, parking Jamie Vardy for a minute, the principal, Roy Hodgson, said he did not want any players discussing the, their futures, involved in transfers, you know, agents thinking they can come into the team hotel or uh, arranging meetings once they've gone off Tuesday. They're there to go and win the European mm. Championships, so all club issues should be parked. So, yeah, I think it is a problem. I think it is an issue for Jamie Vardy to deal with in his own mind about is he in the right frame of mind, which, again, I don't know Jamie Vardy well enough to know if he can deal with those sort of things. I think it's a great pity for Leicester having achieved so much and um, Vardy being such a critical player in that achievement of being league champions that you're seeing that squad potentially begin to break up. And if he does leave, you would not be surprised if he's not the first. Yeah, and what about you know, the end of the fairy tale, if we can put it like that? You know, there's already talk about Kante going to PSG, maybe Chelsea interested. You know, Mares has been linked with Arsenal. Mm. If Vardy and Mares go, that's sixty percent of the goals out the door. Yeah, it's it's, it's massive. Uh, it'd be hugely significant. I think from from the fans' perspective, when I say fans or a fans' perspective, you know, we're all really looking forward to seeing how Leicester coped in uh, in Europe, weren't we? And how those those players mm. who had come from such humble beginnings, humble backgrounds, it, it, you know, could explode on on the biggest stage in uh, in, in European football. So it, it will be a shame if uh, if he does move to Arsenal. For from that perspective but I don't think you can blame Vardy you know 29 years old 30 next January came to football late being offered a phenomenal deal which I, I think could be in the region of 24 million pounds uh, I read over the weekend yeah um, look he's, he's, he's going to be fairly well reimbursed if he stays at Leicester so uh, you know but we're still talking uh, the equivalent of about 8 million pounds over uh, over the next three or four years I think so um, you can understand him wanting to mull it over but it, the fact it's dragged on I mean we're sort of expecting it to be done uh, this morning as you say Monday morning and an and announcement one way or the other the fact it's going to drag on a little bit longer if I was a Leicester fan I would be quite hopeful that that was that was showing that the emotional pull of staying at the King Power Stadium was, was perhaps just starting to weigh in but I think I was, I was just going to say I, th I absolutely agree with, with David if I was uh, Kante I think he's going to make a decision on his future when he comes back from the Euros and if I was him and they, they'd sold Vardy then I'd be thinking yeah maybe it's time to jump ship Just one thing to add Mike you know um, as clubs do, they start following players and the scouting, etc., home and away. Leicester were aware of the Arsenal pursuit of somebody in their team, but were absolutely convinced the bid would come in for Mares. Really? Absolutely. They, that was their genuine belief at a point, because Wenger had asked about him in the past, how they found him, etc. The way that Steve Rowley, who's head of recruitment there, had been trailing them and having others watch them, thought, just wait. At a moment, the bid will come. As it's turned out, well, maybe it could still be for mm. him, but I've got to say, at the weekend, I saw Mares committing himself to Leicester, which hopefully he will see through. The, mm. the one good thing is, is the fact that Leicester were already looking for a striker. Um, Troy Dini's been mentioned. Troy Dini's mentioned, there's the, the lad Musa as well, Ahmed Musa, they really like. And I, I think the fact that they've got a short list of maybe five or six potential people who they were looking mm. to come in to compliment Vardy, if they do sell him, there's still a long time to go in the transfer window, even before pre season starts again. So it does get, give them time, gives Ranieri time to go and make sure he does exactly the right bit of business. What does all this say about Arsene Wenger, David? Well, I've said to you in the past, Mark, here, the one thing that always astonished me for a guy who is very, who's a brilliant manager and got great knowledge was this obsession with age where he would go on about, at a certain point, we'll only give one-year contracts and bringing young players. 
it's a fact, and we've got, you know, so many cases you can look at. One man's 28 or one man's 30 is another man's 35. You know, you, you imagine if Liverpool had said to Ian Callaghan at 28 or 30, oh, you're coming up to 30, Cali. They made a judgment on him as a footballer, his fitness, the level he could train at. You, you just can't, and yet Arsenal, of all the clubs, and with one of the smartest managers, have instituted this thing about what we're prepared to do and sign until suddenly we've talked about getting a you know, world-class goalie. Petr Cech gets signed, who's of a different age group last year. This year, 29 going on 30 and giving him a four-year contract. They're going to sign Jamie Vardy. If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be delighted because I think it means that they're getting wiser and hopefully they'd see it as getting in instant returns on it rather than, oh, we're going to develop another one. Yeah. Either that or the manager's off at the end of his contract if things don't work out for him this year. He's only got one more year to run, so yeah. even if he does give someone a three- or four-year contract now, it's not going to be his problem if they have another season like this one. And but isn't it a fantastic isn't irony, Tom, that if he'd have thought like this this time last year, Arsenal would have won the title. Yeah, but if he'd gone out and bought Jamie Vardy this time last year, everyone had said he was mad. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that's how yeah. that's how football can change. You know, I I I, I think Wenger. I mean, I've I've said to you many times, I just don't get this stick that Arsene Wenger comes in for. I, you know, there are fans of, uh, of of at least 88 other football clubs would give their right arm to have the uh, lack of success that Arsenal have had in the last 20 years. If we then look at the other talking point at the moment, which is the final managerial vacancy. Why on earth would Ronald Koeman leave a stable, secure football club, Southampton, to join a, a storied football club, but a club in transition, Everton? Double your money, for starters. Meeting the new owner or major shareholder who will become the owner in the next two years in the, if the agreement carries on through, who has promised such vast riches in terms of building a new Everton. Um, that he believes that Everton uh, are at a different level to anything he can achieve at Southampton. Maybe Koeman believes he's taken Southampton as far as he's going to take them in terms of their policy of selling players, yeah, making some money available. Um, but what he's done is superb. I think I've got to point out to you, Mike, that if you look at that northwest area now within 35 miles, Manchester and Merseyside, so you're going to have Klopp at Anfield, you're going to have Koeman at Goodison and then you've got Mourinho and Guardiola at the two Manchester clubs. It is the most competitive and the most fascinating it's been since the 60s when you had Shankly and Busby, you had Harry Catrick and you had Joe Mercer with Malcolm Allison at Manchester City. And I think, all right, they won, those four clubs won seven titles in eight years through the 60s and the FA Cup four times. That was a hotbed and that's what we could be seeing again if... Bashiri sees through his investment plans. So next season is all going to be about the managers. Forget the players. There's going to be so much focus on the managers, and I, I think that's what what's so exciting. I think when we start seeing one or two of the signings come through the doors, I mean, all the talk is that Zlatan Ibrahimovic to United will be done this week. Good deal, that. Uh, yeah, I think so. If if it gets done, I mean, it, I still wouldn't. I, we all expect it to get done, but. I, 
part of me just thinks it wouldn't surprise me if he came out and had just been playing with everyone for the last few weeks and that he's got something else lined up as well. But I, I think it's a, a great deal. You know, look, he, he might not be quite as sharp physically uh, as he was, but mentally, uh, I think he's as sharp as he's ever been. And um, I, I think I think it's the sort of marquee signing that that would really make an impact on the Premier League and, and mark Jose Mourinho's arrival at United. Um, so yeah, it's going to be fascinating next year. Um, and I must just say on, on Ronald Koeman, I don't think he is necessarily at a stable club le leaving for one that is unstable because given the fact that Southampton have sold their best players summer after summer for the last few years, Wanyama again this year looks to be on his way out. So I think if he goes to Everton, that's a very clever move. OK, very briefly, scorecasts for England and for Wales. For their opening game? Yeah. I think you'll get both of them winning 1-0. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 England and uh, highly confident 2-0 by the way and uh, Wales I think that's going to be more like 1-1 one, one. Well I'll be a bit more pessimistic there'll be a few opening night nerves both to start with a draw thanks for joining us here on Life's a Pitch What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.